The Morning Struggle podcast is brought to you by Blue Clover Therapy, a mental health counseling practice in Salt Lake City, Utah. Visit www.bluecloverTherapy.com for more information. Blue Clover Therapy, because your mental health deserves a specialist. Welcome to the Morning Struggle Podcast, where we take habits of successful people and break them down one at a time into history, science, and action plan so you can implement them into your life and build a better you. Stay tuned. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Morning Struggle Podcast. I'm Ty. I'm Jesse. And we bring you habits of successful people. Yep. And I'm not that's why I'm not even gonna have our little quippy intro. It's true. But I do want to talk about some stuff real quick. What are we we going to talk about? So we are not on the YouTubes anymore. No. That was a failure, an experiment and a failure. Yeah. So we thought we've been podcasting for a little bit. Everybody who's joined us for the past 60 plus episodes, thank you so much. You guys guys are great. Get us out of bed in the morning. We appreciate it. Um, We thought we'd we'd go to the YouTubes and we'd do something different and Mm -hmm. we'd, we'd put ourselves on TV. But it was just kind of us talking on TV. Yeah, it's uh, not, we weren't doing anything epic. There was no jumps. There was no um, funny cats. There was, we there didn't was have it. any of that stuff. We're not that great on video and no, that's we're, okay. We're not that great on video. Yeah. And it was a lot of work where it's just, we don't have like a big production team. Yeah. So we made the conscious decision to like pull it all off of the YouTubes. Yes. So for those of you who are watching on the YouTube, thank you so much. Sorry. We're going to go back to podcasting and we don't really like YouTube because it's kind of an advertising and time suck anyway. Yeah. So we kind of got like caught up in the... In the YouTube, and the razzmatazz, hype, the razzmatazz, and the yeah. YouTubes. So anyway, no more YouTubes. Sorry about that. Yeah, but we are still going to be in podcast world. We're still going to be down here all the time talking about successful of habits. Of course, and and it's daylight savings. For, I, I, by the time this comes out, it's daylight yeah. savings, mm-hmm. and it's really hard for us to wake up now. Like you can you, only put on a blazer so early. Oh my gosh, it's not allowed. So um, hopefully, everybody else is trying their successful habits. Yeah, and you're successful at it. But uh, today, what are we talking about? Today, we are talking about procrastination. Procrastination. So we're doing our four-part series, our Back yes. to Basics series. And we did early morning wake-ups, meditation, journaling, and this one's procrastination. Yep. And these are like our four, like if you can get these four successful habits down, mm-hmm. your success potential will jump. It will skyrocket. Yeah, the, just statistically as well, not only for us personally, but statistically, if you can get these down, it seems that they set up all other habits in a, in a good way. It's pretty easy to adopt habits past that. So these four are like the key ones to get down. So if you're if you've been doing your the habits for a while, make sure these four are solid. Yes. Or revisit yeah. them. If you're brand new, good place to start. Yes. All right. So we'll, so we're talking about procrastination today. Yeah. You say like, so how do I do this? I just do not procrastinate. Yeah. It's going to be a hard <laughs> yeah. action plan. The other ones were pretty actionable. I wake up at two well, hours before I need to start getting ready for work. Well, so is this though. Okay. Yeah. No, it's actually procrastination is pretty complicated. I I agree. Yeah. This is going to be interesting to see where you take us on this journey. So without further ado, let's get into the history of procrastination. This day in history. All right. I'm going to talk about some of the biggest procrastination events in history. I am so excited for this. Yeah. At first I was going to do like the most successful procrastination. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that was probably not a good idea to do on the podcast talking about don't procrastinate. Like go ahead, do it. It worked out. I can just procrastinate. But here you go. You ready? The first one, the Oxford English Dictionary. 
Um, this was a publishing contract in 1879. Okay. And it was expected to take 10 years to compile all the words in the dictionary. Whoa. So um, let's just say that academics are probably not the best at not procrastinating. Maybe they get it from all their like, you know, college kids that are trying to sleep in after their parties or stuff like that. <laughs> because uh, after 10 years, they only got to the word ant. Oh my goodness. No oh, way. Yeah. Oh, so, sorry. After two years, they only got to the word ant. Oh, two years. And after 10 years, they were barely, barely through it. They did not finish the dictionary. So they started in 1879. Okay. They didn't finish until 1928. No. Yep. And by 1928, yeah. uh, let's just say some words have changed. There's some new words. Yep. So by by then, you're you're talking World War One had come and gone. Jazz <laughs> became a thing. Wall Street crashed. Uh, was about to hit. So there was some some big differences. Uh, Could and you so, imagine the one guy who's like, oh, we finished it. And then the editor that finished it. comes in and goes, um, there's all these words that exist now. They literally just started the second edition. Yeah, they, they finished with ZZZ. <laughs> I guess that's a word is ZZZ. ZZZ. And then they went right back to A. Oh, my gosh. No joke. So now that's what they do in the Oxford English Dictionary. They just keep going through it. Uh, next one. The Jamestown's colonists were too busy partying to execute John Smith. You remember John Smith? Have you seen Disney's From... Pocahontas? <laughs> yep. Um, Is that an accurate depiction played of John by, Smith? Played by Mel Gibson. Mm -hmm. He wasn't great in that in that movie. I'm not going to lie. I love him in all of his movies, but you I did not, not like him as John Smith in <laughs> Pocahontas. Um, but this was a colony, Jamestown, Virginia. And he, John Smith was, was an Englishman okay. um, and famously, you know, met Pocahontas. I don't know if that story is even true. I think it's kind of true. Uh, it wasn't, I a, think it's it wasn't a love story. True. And it wasn't a love story. It was not, no. Um, but anyway, so he was trying to get, he was trying to be executed twice. So he was not a good dude. The first time they were going to execute him uh -huh. when the colonists came over, but yeah. there was a box that had a name on it. And that person was like, won the lottery to become the governor of the new colony. And it was his <laughs> name. No. So he was going to get executed and He's he like, became the governor. Yo, you can't. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm the governor. Yeah. And then the second time they didn't really say why he was supposed to be executed. I don't, I don't know. What I feel he like was... more information needs to be spent on John Smith here. Yeah. But anyway, the next one, they were going to execute him because he was doing whatever, whatever his little shenanigans were. Okay. And, um, and then all of a sudden a ship full of new colonists, hundred new colonists comes to Jamestown with a bunch of supplies because everybody's starving to death. They're like, we're starving to death. He's an idiot. Let's execute him. One with less mouth to feed. Right. And then the ship shows up with a bunch of party supplies and they're like, oh, we got party supplies. And they partied and they decided to hold off the, the executions. And uh, then he went on to like map and survey like a ton of 4,000 4, kilometers of territory. Could you imagine being like how being that close twice? It's being executed by a, a group of people. And now you're a Disney character. Yeah, it is. It's just incredible. <laughs> I know. It's All right. Ridiculous. The next one, um, Richard Sheridan. Do you know who Richard Sheridan is? I do not. I did not know that either. He's an 18th century um, Toast of London screenwriter. Oh. Uh, so is it too loud when I do my papers? Everybody in the podcast You world, love you having these papers and then like tossing printed, them in the air. I printed off one article and it was 18 pages. That's how dedicated I am to research. <laughs> Now the font, you can see the font is like 82 <laughs> point. It's like four words per page, but it's still 17 pages. Um, anyway, so 18th century, he was a, a playwright and he wrote School for Scoundrel. And he did not like his deadlines because he was an artistic dude. Yes. He said, I will not be bothered with deadlines. Mm -hmm. And you as actors and actresses, you will wait for my lines. And in fact, he didn't uh, deliver his lines to his actors until act two of opening night of the play. 
Oh, so he, he wrote, kind of for he school, kind of slid in last minute yeah, there. For, for School Scoundrel, mm-hmm. he wrote um, the half, the first act or the half of the play. Okay. They went on stage and they started performing it. Mm-hmm. And be- right before Act Two, he handed them Act Two. So, do you think that he was just like, "I, ha- I'm so creative. I need to have time to be creative," or do you think he's like, "Holy crap! I'm, I'm literally at the last minute. I have to give them lines." He was a toast of London, so I think he was too busy like thinking he's the bee's knees and partying. Oh, that's that. That, that was going to be my guess. All right, you ready for this next one? Uh, this is more modern in the 1990s. A crematorium, a crematorium owner. Oh, this um, is gonna be weird. In isn't Georgia, it? okay. This, he's in Georgia. He was too lazy to fix his cremerator. Is it a cremerator? <laughs> that sounds like an ice cream shop. I, I think it's a crematorium. Still, I think it's just the Cremator- machines called the same thing. The thing that cremates the bodies. Yes. Broke down. Okay. So what would you do? That's a big deal. I'd get I'd get that fixed. Okay, I get that's it fixed. my profession. I, I think that's so. just what mm-hmm. we do here. I probably get it fixed, or I'd shut down. Yeah. He said, "Nah, we're good. I'm just gonna bury the bodies in my backyard." And so oh, he buried the bodies no. in his backyard, and he gave people urns full of concrete dust. Oh my gosh, and that, that is so awful. What to, year was that? The nineties. He went to prison for twelve years. Yeah, that'll do it. Um, the world's laziest prime minister, Britain's laziest prime minister. Ready? We just got a few more. I actually don't know how many more we got because I've the got like 87 pages. The crematorium thing is really... Um, that's gross. crematorium one's gross. All right, you ready? Prime Minister okay. of Great Britain. Who's this guy? He's, his name is Ed... Um, oh, the photo credit. We don't we don't care about who took the photo uh, uh, of this Prime not. Minister. We want to know who the Prime Minister was. Prime Minister Melbourne. Okay. I, I, don't, I don't even know his he first name. He looks very astute. Look at that guy. So um, anyway, he was part of like the parliament in Great Britain. Okay. And they were st- so torn at the time yeah. that he was the only one who the lords of of the house or whatever could yeah. agree on because he didn't do anything. He literally spent his whole life sleeping and snoring during like their public debates so what? loudly that they couldn't hear themselves speak per this this thing how did he this was, guy keep his job so yeah he was married to lady caroline oh. and she went on a ton of pep, um, public affair rampages not only did she have like with lord byron yeah he was amazing yes. if you haven't read about lord byron <laughs> read about him um he bagged lady catherine um but Stop. she wrote she wrote a, <laughs> she even wrote a tell-all memoir while she was still married to the dude the guy was always sleeping he when was always, she was he was always hanging out sleeping. with him um, he had the hots for Queen Victoria, so that's why he stayed in God, as that's prime so, minister. That's ridiculous. Um, anyway, took 20 years to divorce her. Finally, the parliament got around to replacing him in 1841 because he was just... He, he was, was just too loud terrible. of a snorer. He was just way too loud of a snorer. Um, so there was a few more. Douglas um, Adams. Remember Douglas Adams? He wrote mm. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he had a, a contract or whatever you... What do we call it when you are going to write a book? Uh, a publishing contract. Yeah, whatever it is. Um, he procrastinated for like a decade, and <laughs> and then when he showed up, when they're like the publisher said, "Hey, we need this book," he showed up with a video game. Uh, and said, "This is great. We'll release it. We still need the book." And then he had someone else write his book. Uh, so anyway, oh, smart. Yeah. Smart. Anyway, two more. Sorry, uh, Buddha, Buddha's disciples. Yeah. So remember, we talked about Buddha in the meditation. If you haven't, don't know who you know. If you don't know who Buddha, Buddha is, is you I know, don't know. Siddhartha maybe is, just kind of walk around a second. And but anyway, keep your eyes open. he invented. He didn't invent. He took like his kind of teaching ideas he from his yoga, and he yeah. cultivated his own Buddhist religion. Well, well, in the Buddhist religion, there are these these ordained 
kind of prayers, if you if you sit for a better word. Okay. And so he has got these disciples. Yeah. Um, Ananda is one of his disciples. And there were minor ordinations and major vows, like minor vows and major vows for these ordinations. Okay. So you have like chants and, and prayers. Yeah. And some are minor and don't really matter. And some are major, like these are the important ones. Well, Buddha told this Ananda guy mm-hmm. which ones were major, which ones were minor. Mm-hmm. And then on his like deathbed near his end of his life says, you know what? We don't need to do the minor ones anymore. We just need to do the major ones. And Ananda says, okay, I'm going to hold on to that information. And then Ananda dies and we don't know which ones are major or minor now. <laughs> so now if you're a Buddhist, you have to do all of the vows. And you're you like, because you don't know. And some are like, I will not harm a sentient being. You're like, that's probably pretty major. And you're like, I love Birkenstock sandals. And you're like, ah, that's probably <laughs> minor. But what if it's a major one? Mm-hmm. So they just say, they say all of the, all of them. They say all of them. It's crazy. That is. Because one guy just decided not to be like, oh, Buddha told me something pretty important. But I should probably write that down or but, tell someone uh, else. Tell gotta, one other person. If I get up, I got to put on pants. You know. So <laughs> anyway, that's not my joke. That's someone else's joke. The last one, Da Vinci. We're going long again. Man, I go so long on my histories. There's just so much history. There's so, so exciting. much. Like, listen to my voice. Yeah. All right. Uh, da Vinci. Da Vinci was the biggest procrastinator in history. So we talked about Da Vinci too. Yeah. He's, he was an amazing Renaissance man during he the Renaissance. He did all the things. He did all the things. But you know what? After looking at him, I'm pretty sure like he was a genius. Yeah. But if he listened to the show, I'm pretty sure we would have like a utopian society right now. Oh, full of like... <laughs> Full of like transportation bubbles where yeah. like you, you, you blow yeah. a like a little kid bubble and you just float in it off to your work, which isn't really work because you just get to lazily hang out there because it's just a, a, a nice environment because everything's done for us or something. I don't know That's what the actually, world could have been. Because he could have woken up early, meditated, journaled, and now not procrastinating. Yeah. So he painted the Mona Lisa. He did. It's yeah. a pretty famous painting. A little bit. It's of, of a woman. Yeah. I, I I don't know. I've seen it somewhere, I think, on the kid's cartoon. But uh, <laughs> it, did you know it only measures 30 inches by 21 inches? Yeah, it's actually quite small quite compared small. to what you might think. Yeah, so how long do you think it would take you to paint a portrait like that? Oh, my. Yeah, I could not. Well, it, like let's say it, it took it took Michelangelo, Michelangelo, Michelangelo. Uh, it took him four years to paint the entire Sistine Chapel, and that's about twelve thousand square feet. So an twelve thousand square feet. Twelve uh, four years. Okay, four to years. Pa- on the ceiling, he yeah. painted the ceiling. It like, took him four years to do. Yeah, that. that's a long time. Yeah. How long do you think it took uh, Da Vinci? Four years. Fifteen years to paint the Mona Lisa. Oh my gosh. Fifteen years to paint the Mona, and this was this was like a theme for him. He would get commissioned to do art, and then it took him forever. The Virgin of the Rocks took him twenty five years to finish. What? And it was commissioned for just like a few, like a year long commission. I don't even, I don't even, doesn't even say what it's in here. But anyway, he would com- be commissioned like, hey, nine months from now, can you give me this portrait of myself or? Or, or my something, kids. Or whatever it is. Yeah. He's like, yeah, you got it. 25 years later, you're like, oh, I, I'm not even married to this person anymore, Da Vinci. <laughs> I, you know, I don't even know. What? I don't even know where Mona Lisa is anymore. She's off. Well, that's, she's off doing her tell-all memoirs about yeah, all her public affairs. But she had to like sit there. She didn't have to sit there for 15 years. She she did. 15 years she sat there. <laughs> that's why the smile is so off. She's so tired. Because she's just so tired. So anyway... <laughs> That was Da Vinci. He was a huge procrastinator. Um, but don't be like them, is yeah. what we're saying in this episode. Is that what you're? Is that what's? Yeah. Is that the, what the this, take home message? The take home message message was unless you're Leonardo da Vinci mm-hmm. or the Toast of London, 
don't procrastinate or it's probably not going to go very well for you. And if you are Leonardo da Vinci and you're the toast of London, call us up. We'd love to have you on the show. Um, <laughs> but like you would be so much better if you didn't procrastinate. That's Could true. you imagine how many Mona Lisa's he could have had? But with, with da Vinci, he procrastinated and then in, like invented helicopters on the side. Yeah. So, so I mean, he was if, doing a lot of things. If you're going to procrastinate, at least invent some new technology that no one's ever heard of yeah. while you're procrastinating yeah. on doing the dishes or whatever it is you're procrastinating. So, exactly. Anyway, sorry. All right, here we go. So we're going to talk about the science of what your brain does when you procrastinate. And then we're going to talk about action plan, how to avoid procrastination. So few people have been doing really good research lately on procrastination. A few people or very few? Uh, a few. Oh, Just a few. A few. Okay. Like there's there's general research about procrastination. People are pretty interested in why we do this because it's, it's what's what's really interesting is that procrastination, what they've determined is not a problem of time management or planning. Okay, so which is what, what we tend to think about. What we tend to think about. What mm -hmm. is procrastination problem with? So, so let me let me tell oh, you what sorry. this is about. Right. Okay, so twenty percent of us identify as procrastinators. Sure. In general, now I would say that everybody does it in some fashion, in some element of their life where they procrastinate. Um, but some of us do it more than other people. Okay. Um, what's interesting is that procrastinators are actually way more optimistic than the rest of the population. Procrastinators are more optimistic yeah. about like their own life or the world or just everything. All, all they have a more chipper view of the world um, in general. Um, however, what's really interesting is they have um, an increase in insomnia, immune system issues, and uh, gastrointestinal issues. So they're sick, bloated, and tired. Kind of. But they're but they're happier about the world. Well, and they think is that I mean you gotta think you're also very stressed. So okay. you have all these stress responses within your body, even though you're pretty stoked about life. You think life's pretty okay. okay. So there's three types of procrastination that they've determined. One is the arousal type. And this is kind of the thrill seekers. Okay. So we procrastinate on something until it's like last minute and then we pull through and it's amazing. We get 100% on that assignment, whatever that is. And it's a, it just has this like dopamine, exciting adrenaline feel to it okay so we, we do it for the rush yeah we do it for the rush um and and those folks tend to also have that in their life too they tend to be kind of an arousal type person anyway where they're i always say jumping so they're, off they're buildings, the jerks who but... don't use their blinker and then like bolt into the parking lot on the last minute and you're like oh, i was trying to pull out they're getting you waited to the last minute you procrastinator yep and they're you getting their adrenaline and... on okay yep um the second one is the avoiders so the avoiders are it's a general fear based response so there's fear around failure which okay. i mean yeah we can say yeah but there's also a fear of success Be oh because this idea of that if we're successful we have to continue to be successful or we have to know why we were successful okay and so if we are successful and then we fail that's awful so it's not just hey i'll i'll fail but maybe i'll be successful and i'll be expected to continually be successful which, which makes failure even more devastating. Exactly. Okay. And it tends to be ba a fear response based on what others think of us and how we'll be seen. So we would rather have this lack of, be seen as lack of effort or laziness than our, that we're just, un, we're dumb. So we'd rather be lazy than dumb. L rather be lazy than dumb. Okay. And then third is the decisional procrastinators. So these are folks that have a really hard time making a decision. Okay. In general, and again, all of these procrastination techniques, you're you tend to 
replicate this in like day-to-day stuff as well. Um, so the, the big thing with these guys is that if, if you make a decision, you're, you're taking a stance on something and then the, you're responsible for the outcome. Okay. So you don't like being responsible for the outcome. So you just don't make the decision. Yes. Okay. Because, because then let's say, cause I do this, like if I respond to an email, then there's going to be a follow-up email. And then I have to, to have a firm stance somewhere in this email because that's what happens. And then what if it's the wrong decision? And then what if I'm, I'm seen as being awful because I made the wrong decision and it just and then catapults you just don't on write the email. Yeah, exactly. And then you just, oh, I'll just deal with that later. Okay. So every, every procrastination type tends to fall within that system. And what's, what is, is interesting with the brain specifically is that, so this is considered poor action control is how they kind of specify it in the research. The amygdala, which is that fight, flight, freeze, uh, that's where you get like the adrenaline spikes, you get cortisol, all of that. The amygdala is significantly larger in chronic uh, procrastinators. So we talked about this. When you have chronic cortisol, your amygdala swells and gets larger, mm-hmm. which you want a small amygdala because you want it like toned. You want it to fire when you're getting chased by the lion, uh-huh. not when you have to write an email. So if, if it's big, it fires all the time and just kind of takes over that prefrontal cortex thought rational thought, right? Yeah, because it fires all the time. It fires on all the different things. And you, and then we can't tell if it's an emergency or not. Right, because then everything's an emergency. Everything's an emergency. Okay. So it, with the amygdala being so large, so there's a, a, a very small mechanism in, or little piece of your brain called the ACC or the dorsal anterior um, cingulate cortex. Whoa. Yeah. That's, that's so the ACC. Okay. We're going to call it ACC. We're going to call it the ACC. So the ACC is the thing that kind of... It's, it's, it's actually before the cognitive, um, executive functioning. So it's kind of that, that quick filter from the amygdala where it's, it, like you have a split second to decide if it's an emergency, a true emergency or not. From your rational brain. Yeah. So there's some emergencies that are truly emergencies. There's a bear chasing me and, and the ACC doesn't really need to filter that because yeah, there's a bear chasing me. But if, if the bear is in the valley, let's say then the ACC would be like, oh, well, I need to leave. Okay. So it doesn't need to have that extreme endorphin, um, cortisol, adrenaline spike because the bear is across the valley. You still need to leave. You'd be so aware of it. Yes. Yeah, you don't need to run screaming out of the valley. Yes. But, okay. but with this, with the procrastination specifically, the amygdala response bypasses the ACC. So people... Why would, what? You can't bypass your filter. You, but you can. That's the thing because it's so forceful. It's so big and it has so many different connections throughout the brain that you, the ACC is like, oh my gosh, what's happening? Because when the bear is actually like coming, racing at you, you don't have time to be like, hold on. I'm going to like go through my ACC, then I'm going to rationalize it. Like you just need to run. Yeah, you need so to just sometimes, go. So that's why that's there. So if you're running, yeah. So if you're running a lot, your ACC doesn't need to filter many information or many situations because you're always running. So you're, okay. Yeah, but but in a normal situation, if we're existing in the world, it's not always a bear chasing us directly. Right. So there should be a filter system. So by doing that, the ACC um, is shut down or significantly reduced, we can't control our, um, actions. We don't, we don't filter our actions very well. And so we will, it's an actual impairment. You can see it in an MRI and 
everything becomes the emergency. Everything is, so you're working out your brain essentially for this specific thing. And with procrastination specifically is that once you have procrastinated, even once you're exercising your brain to continue to procrastinate because it feels like it has to do that because that's the connections we've built in our brain. Okay. Like, like what's the saying you say, like you're, you are what you do every you day. You are the sum of what you do every day. Yes. So if I'm a procrastinator and if I procrastinate one email, but then I go and I get another one, it doesn't matter because I still worked out that part of my brain. Yeah. Next right? thing you know, you're a procrastinator. Yeah. Not writing back emails. Yeah, exactly. Did exactly. you get my email? Right. And it becomes easier for the brain and we continue to procrastinate and it's, it's rough. So what, oh. There's a little kitty cat. We, we got a cat in the, in the in the studio. That's okay. Keep going. Yeah, we got everybody a little kitty cat. Cats. Everybody loves cats. I don't know that everybody loves cats. Yeah, that's true. But, okay. but we like cats. Um, so the thing is, is that you might think this is quite hopeless. Well, I'm a procrastinator. I always procrastinate. My brain is exercised to the, to the way of procrastinating. And so there's no reason for me to do anything. I'm going to tell you how to to correct that in your brain, to exercise your brain so you're not a procrastinator. Because what's what's really cool is that 78% of us, if we start to work, whatever that is, we will continue to work and that reduces our likelihood of procrastination. So like we, going back to you are the sum of what you do every day. So yep. if you just procrastinate, you're gonna get in a pattern of being a procrastinator. Mm-hmm. But if you can reverse that and you can actually not procrastinate, you actually become more and more productive, more and more times. Yes. That's awesome. Okay. Isn't that neat? Yeah. So is that what we got for science? That's what we got for science. That's that's a good science. Now I had cortisol. It had the amygdala. It had all the stuff in the brain <laughs> that happens every time we need to be successful. It yep. sounds like what we need to do is just come up with a routine to work out our amygdala. Like mm-hmm. like clamp down on your brain real hard over and over again to well, get that amygdala nice and We just need, nice we just need it to be uh, effective at what it does we don't need it to fire all the time so i'm gonna we're gonna do an episode on the amygdala just the amygdala and we're yeah, gonna make that'd it be cool we're gonna make it so once you get your amygdala buff you're done you can be successful at everything do you think i can find like an amygdala stuffed animal i you probably can make one because i would love it if, if you were <laughs> successful and you didn't procrastinate on your crocheting skills you could probably crochet oh that is an excellent an point so anyway all right well there you go let's get in a quick coffee segment yep and then we're gonna do action plan to actually put this into practice i drank Pots and pots and pots and pots of strong black coffee Trying to keep my sleepy soul awake But the sleepiness still comes along And when it does, it's fast and strong I end up with a bad case of the shakes All right, for the coffee segment today, I did what you hate. I just looked at an article online and I didn't even print it off or highlight it. So yeah. I'm going to be scrolling through my iPad. Oh my gosh. You want to know why? Why? Because I procrastinated the coffee segment. You did. Because I didn't know what to do. We've done a lot of episodes. We've had a lot of coffee segment stuff. Yeah. And I'm kind of out of ideas. So we've talked about, you know, histories of coffee and different things and and how, how it works uh, instant in your brain. coffee, how it works in your brain, but how instant coffee works. Yeah. We're going to talk about the history of Folgers. We're talking about instant coffee right now. Okay. Because it's the biggest procrastinating coffee you can do because if you don't have <laughs> four and a half minutes to make true. your cup of coffee and you just need to pour hot water in some dehydrated co- ground coffee and go and go you have messed up somewhere yeah i'm just saying if you really like Folgers that's one thing if you really like it yeah go for it nobody likes instant coffee really no, nobody likes instant coffee um anyway okay Folgers has been around since the 1600s 
uh, the Folger family. The 1600s? So, yeah, the Folgers, which is the name of the family. A lot of companies yeah. that are like name brand now. You go, where'd they get that name? It was their last name. You know, oh, yeah. It's like, it's easy. Makes perfect sense. Um, but it didn't really get uh, the official company until the 1800s. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So here you go. You ready? Yep. It's been around uh, 1600s, but 1850 was the actual founding of the Folgers Coffee Company. Okay. Um, there's a man named Frank something or other, Atha. Frank Atha in the 1990s. Frank, Frank or something Or in the 1900s. Atha. In the early 1900s. And he's the one who took Folgers from like the little tiny coffee thing to a worldwide dominance. Okay. By just saying, you should open up a second coffee plant in Texas. Oh. And they said, okay. And they opened up the coffee plant. They made him a salesman. And he went out and he sold like crazy. So, because oh. you got to think, they've been around, they were around for 50 plus years, 100 well, they years, were whatever. They kind of known, right? So they've they, been they around. Were, they, were, yeah. they were okay. They were big. But this, this Frank guy, I guess he was the salesman of Folgers. Okay. So he went out the man. and he made Folgers a staple in the household. Um, did you know it outsells Starbucks? What? I don't know when this article was, but it outsells Starbucks, and it was the number one selling coffee brand for okay. a long time, and then Keurig finally uh, surpassed it. Oh. So Keurig, Keurig. is Come on now. crazy. I don't know if it, that's still the case, um, because Keurig... Is Keurig still really big? I, I know the guy who invented Keurig was all upset because all his coffee pods were going to the ocean. Yeah. But um, did you know it's part of the, the jam sh- Schmucker family? What is that? What? The Schmucker family. The, the, the jams. <gasps> what? The, the, the jams and jellies. But did you also know that they also own Dunkin' Donuts and Pillsbury? Yeah, all companies they, are owned they, by like one guy. So there was a merger with Folgers and um, Smucker. So like when you go to Dunkin' Donuts and you get the Dunkin' Donuts brand, yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing it's Folgers. I would assume it's I'm just a nice rebrand. Like, I love Dunkin' Donuts it's coffee. It's so much better. It's so good. And you're like, it's Folgers. <laughs> so um, the founder Jokes was only 26. You. So what? James F. Folger II had worked under his father for seven years. Once his father dies, he became the president of J.A. Folger & Company, which became Folger soon after. And he was only 26 years old. Oh, look at this guy go. I know. He loves his and, coffee. And ben, Benjamin Franklin was associated with the family. What? Yeah. Um, uh, to be fair, Ben, Mr. Ben Franklin was... He was associated with a lot of people's families. I well, but like. that's but that's because he had lots of lady friends, and so he's got a yeah. lot of maybe descendants that don't know they're related. But this was the other way. This was going the other way in the genealogy oh, uh, tree. Oh, okay. His, ben Franklin's grandfather, Peter Folger, was an ancestor to the Folgers family. Oh, okay. So Peter Folger was like the the savant cousin of the Folger family who became Folgers. Mm, gotcha, okay. And so every time like Ben and his family gets around, they're like, oh, we're Folgers company. He's like, well, I'm on a $100 bill. Yada, yada, yada. And then they high five. And they high five each other because they're a successful family. Anyway. <laughs> uh, there's your coffee segment. That's all I got. That's pretty cool though. So this is what happens when you procrastinate. You you kind of half, half do the article mm-hmm. and you're like, yeah, that was pretty informative, but thanks for wasting my time. <laughs> So how, how am I supposed to take those facts to my dinner party? Yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to bring you facts when you are at your dinner party and you're eating your fancy aged cheese mm-hmm. from the regular grocery store because no one's going to the artisan deli to get their fancy Absolutely aged not. cheese. They're going to the grocery store to get their They're fancy going to the grocery cheese. store. They're taking their craft. They're taking the wrapper off and they're saying like, oh, this is fancy. Um, <laughs> but so I'm sorry. And I'm going to stop procrastinating and you're going to tell us how to do it. Yes. Let's hope you make the most of it, my boy. 
<laughs> teach us how to not procrastinate. Sorry. We had a little joke, an inside joke before the it break. It wasn't really an inside joke, but it wouldn't keep our rating. So what's the, what's the difference between <laughs> the opposite of procrastinating? Because it's, we want an actionable item. It's so, getting it done. It's so doing getting, it. It's, it's, so we're going to practice doing it. And that was the joke. So so what do we so what do? We do? We just, we, how do we implement not procrastinating into our life? Yeah. So, so the big thing here is I, you're going to have to do some trial and error. I'm going to I'm going to have you work out your brain so you're not procrastinating and there's a little bit of just kind of mind games you're going to have to play in order to try to work around your procrastination hiccup. So once you form the habit of anti-procrastination, yeah. you will be more likely to just be productive. Yes. And that's yeah. what we're going for in this whole podcast. Just success, productivity, contentment. Yeah. That's what we're going for with the definition of success. All yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Take us through it. So here's the thing. First I want you to assess your stress levels and the pressures that you have in your life. Listen, you, listen to Jesse. Just do your self-assessment. That's step one. Yeah. It's always going to be step one. Yeah. But but the big thing there is I'm looking for your stress levels and your pressures and where your deadlines are. Okay. Because if you have a lot of deadlines, are they self-imposed? Are they imposed through the environment? Whatever that is. And are they actually reasonable? Because I know I have lots of self-imposed deadlines. So many. Right. And I don't necessarily have to do that, nor are they typically reasonable for the whatever I'm trying to do. So, okay, in, so you implement, you, you self-impose something, say, I have to get the laundry done by right. tomorrow. Right. When you're like, I don't really have to do that. Why no. did I make a hard deadline? Right, exactly. Because okay. if you're not going to have somebody else do that, you probably shouldn't have yourself do that. Okay. Okay, so that's a good way to put that. Um, we want to know why we procrastinate. And so you're going to have to be really honest with yourself with these barriers. So uh, back again, there's a thrill seeker, avoiding avoidance or fear. We have the fear of outcomes, so decision making, and then uh, emotionally reactive. So when we're emotionally reactive, the reason why I add this one in is uh, our frontal cortex isn't working when we're triggered and we're super emotionally distressed. Okay. So we're not going to get stuff done in that that phase. And so we have to know if if we are very emotional, we're probably not getting tasks done. Okay, so so if we're having an emotionally upset moment, yeah. we're, we're probably not going to be hyper productive. Right. Okay. Okay. So here's some procrastination games that I searched the internet and have actually done, like we've done ourselves. Okay. Um, first, focus on today. So that means you don't focus about tomorrow and you don't focus focus on yesterday because typically, and I'm in this bracket too, I think about all the things I did not get done yesterday. Okay. And how I how I'm like, oh, I got to get done today. Only today. What is reasonable for today? Okay. So not just whatever you have not done in the past and what you have to do in the future, just today. YOLO. Yes. Just always YOLO. <laughs> That's Nobody says that anymore. Yeah, everybody says it. Nobody all the time. says it. YOLO. I see it all the time on my the forums. Nobody. On, what, yep. There's forums still? When I'm on MySpace looking at, at different <laughs> profiles, people are saying YOLO all the time. All the time. All the time. Oh my gosh, MySpace, that's that's fun. Um, focus uh, yourself to do one small thing. It goes back to the research showing that 78% of us will keep working if we start working. Okay. If we do one small step, then we'll move forward. Typically, we'll keep working. So pick some low-hanging fruit yeah. to anti-procrastinate. Some, something easy. You can even do it for like, I'm going to work for five minutes. Just five minutes, set a timer, and more than likely, you'll just keep going because you're already going. Okay. Right? Uh, break down your tasks into smaller ones. That's why we would get the low-hanging fruit kind of situation there um time limits if it's like 15 minutes or so that's usually pretty good and then you can increase that as you go along depending on what your tolerance for work is so if you if you need to set some like i'm going to do this for at least 15 minute yeah. kind of timelines yeah okay. yeah right. and just kind of move it forward that way um take a break every hour 
Um, we Sometimes we think that, well, if I start on this project, I'm going to be in this for eight hours. Right. Uh, you really shouldn't. You shouldn't work for eight hours straight. So get up, do something, um, do push-ups, sit-ups, that kind of thing. Go Just outside, movement, make a break. Movement. Okay. Yeah, some sort of break. Uh, be kind and positive to yourself. I can't stress that enough because we're actually very mean to ourselves in general as a population. Um, do something to break the pattern. So if you find that, like, it's always emails. Oh, speaking, of, speaking of which, look at all the email dings know, we're getting this like, morning. Calm down. Yeah. Um, but if, if, like, emails, for example. So if I'm trying to do get my email or my inbox cleared. Right. Right. And there's one in particular I don't want to deal with. Um, I totally lost my train of thought because of the thing. That's okay. Because <laughs> of the Dean. This is another thing we should bring up. Okay. Is that um, having, uh, what's the alarms? Not Notifications. Alarms. Notifications will break your thought process and make it where you pr- actually procrastinate more. So maybe turn off your notifications yeah. while you're, put, do not disturb on while you're doing your 15 minutes yeah. of anti-procrastination. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Because then it, it ruins your train of thought and you can't move forward. And then you think that you're procrastinating when really you're not. Okay. Um, oh, yes, breaking the pattern. So if you find yourself that you're procrastinating and you're like, oh, I'm just going to watch Netflix instead. Sure. Instead, do something really physical. It'll get your brain moving again, executive functioning moving again, and then you can start doing okay, so your put stuff. on that Bunza's Steel VHS. And yeah. do some Pilates. Exactly. Right. Um, practice decision making, specifically if you have a hard time making decisions. So d- make a decision. Apples or oranges right now. What is it? Apples and oranges. 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 Always oranges. Is it always oranges? It's always oranges. Really? And if you say apples, you're crazy. Is it? <laughs> so. <laughs> so you can go through and like, it's like a would you rather kind of, they have just slews of questions on the internet or that kind okay. of thing, but make the decision and go for it. Like if you're that, if you're that hard, if you're that person who can't make that decision, yeah. if that's your hiccup for procrastination is you're worried about that decision making, mm-hmm. make some decisions that really have no consequences. Yes. Okay. And that, and that's the thing is like, where do you want to eat? You say it. Um, because it, we have to get in the habit of making the decisions so that we can make decisions moving forward and therefore you procrastinate less. Okay. Does that make sense? Makes sense. Okay. Um, I always want you to come up with a stress relief plan. Procrastination comes along with high stress levels pretty a lot because if, you're, if your amygdala is kind of already firing in a stress level and then you have an email, it can feel like a mountain. Like it can feel yeah, huge. It is interesting, huh? When, when you ha- are procrastinating, everything seems like it's more daunting. Yes. It, it's just, it, and little things seem super daunting. But when you're, when you don't, when you get in an anti-procrastination kind of mode, uh-huh. little things pop up. You're like, yeah, I'll take care of it real quick. Yep, no big it, deal. Do it real quick. It's, it's impressive. Yeah. And, and, and that's really the, the ultimate game is that when something comes up, you do it. Okay. And you just try to get it done, at least within the capacity that you could get it done. Okay. If that makes sense. Makes sense. And then um, the the next thing, write things down, what you have actually done. I use an actual list and I cross it off. That's very satisfying to me. Right. But maybe maybe have seen the entire list and seeing the things you didn't do as well was is too much. Okay. So write down the things that you have done that day because we're, we're trying to make it tangible. And when oh. we actually, oh yeah, when we actually write it down, it, it makes it real to us. So not, not, um, some people really like spreadsheets. That's fine too. Um, like but, a to-do list, maybe not a to-do list, but maybe writing down after you've done something. Yeah. So like a reverse order to-do list. Yes. Yes, okay. exactly. All right. Because then it's like, oh, look at all the things I've done. A to-done list. A to-done. Oh um, my that goodness. Trademark. Right Boom. now you heard it. There's a little circle with the TM on there. Yeah, that's right. And then I want you to, to reassess how these things are going and, 
again, like the, the best way to assess something is a take time to actually sit down and think about it. But second is to, is to, um, write it down somewhere and then kind of reflect later on. Okay. So maybe you're procrastinating less, maybe you're managing your stress, uh, better, Maybe you're getting more things done. Whatever that thing Maybe is. Maybe you can put that in a journal entry. <gasps> oh, Look at how these, goodness, these successful together. habits tie in together. Yep. Okay. So, so, but be, be kind to yourself as you go through. This is a very common problem. Every single human on this planet has had this experience. Um, and you can exercise your brain so that per- procrastination is not your go-to. Okay. So, as always, make yourself assessment. Yep. Determine what your stressors and your deadlines are. Yeah, if they're reasonable. If they're reasonable. Determine what kind of procrastinator you are. Yep. And then you can play some games to Mm anti-procrastinate. And then you can practice that over time. So you just kind of build a a um, kind of conditioned amygdala mm-hmm. where you just you just want to procrastinate less and that's just kind of the person you are you just get things done right away yep and then you just pile on top of pile on top of more and more successful habits next thing you know you're a successful person boom because okay. it's exercising that brain because you're exercising that brain yep all right so is that all we got for the action plan yep okay so that's anti-procrastination that's the four-part series yes so go back, try these four, get these four dialed in, see if you like them, look at other habits, implement what you want to, try out what you want to, throw yep. away what doesn't work for you, mm-hmm. and uh, that's it. And so we're gonna, we're gonna try it ourselves. Mm-hmm. We'll see how we are. We'll see everybody next week. So go out there and build a better you. Thanks, guys. <laughs>